Welcome to the Software Lifecycle Stories podcast. We bring you stories of what worked and sometimes what did not in the course of discovering, designing, developing, delivering and using software-based solutions as shared by practitioners who went through these situations. Welcome to this episode of the Software Lifecycle Stories. I am Shivaguru. Today, I am in conversation with my colleague from PM Power Consulting, Ananta Natarajan, who prefers to be called Anand. We spoke about many topics, including whether software development is an engineering discipline, trusting one's feelings, creating functionally satisfying solutions to make a difference for the users, Lessons from building something ahead of time. Becoming and being a coach. When better comes before good, as he says. Detaching oneself in delicate coaching situations. And he also shares one tip for developing empathy. And lastly, about playing bridge and developing software. Listen on. Hi, Anand. Welcome to Hi, the Chef. show. Yeah, this has been a long time. Somehow, uh, we've not been able to do this earlier. And finally, yeah, we are here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, welcome to the show. And as you know the format very well, uh, we start with a self-introduction of the guest. Okay. Thank you, Shiv, again. Self-introduction. Okay. okay. I'll start from, I like to always start from where I am from. <laughs> so. You know, born in a small town called Virudhanagar in uh, south of Tamil Nadu for a very loving family. Lucky to have had, you know, great parents, brother and a sister. And it's a small town. So, you know, it's typical small town life. I uh, did all my schooling till pre-university there. Then I um, uh, did my engineering following that. Then uh, at the end of it, didn't feel like an engineer. So luckily the IT was just starting at the time. I'm talking 1981. Um, so I got into IT and I actually partly thanks to one of our fellow PM Powerians, uh, colleagues, JV, he was doing his postgraduate. He said, Anand, you should go attend this interview. IT has a future. So that was, that was a good, uh, good thing. And I just sort of, I guess I started working with uh, Tata Motors or earlier called Telco in Jamshedpur. And that was a great uh, experience. It just, I think I just fell in love with computing and programming and, and uh, stuff like that, software development as such. I uh, spent a few years there. Then I uh, spent about a year in Asian Paints in, uh, in Mumbai, then went to Australia for better fortunes, <laughs> I guess, at the time. <laughs> Planned to be there for you know, two, three years, but ended up spending 13 odd years there. You know, got married to Radhika while I was there. Then uh, worked for different different domains, different companies. I was heading an IT function for an organization there, for an association there. Came back to India. I wanted to start something on my own, but I thought before that, let me get exposure to what does it mean to be in a startup. So I joined the startup, uh, software services startup for about, uh, they had products as well. There was about a five years. 
after five years, it remained a startup, you know, but hundred odd people. So I decided to move out and uh, got my exposure into quality and process excellence there. Because uh, till then, my career was mostly into software delivery and development. Then worked for a few years at a uh, couple of years at HP and then uh, you know, Fidelity Investments before coming on board PM Power Consulting. So being a you know, consultant, coach, trainer for the last uh, uh, seven years. Yeah, time flies. Yeah. So that's uh, probably about, you know, my uh, career. And I've got a, you know, 24-year-old son uh, who started working now. And uh, unfortunately, my wife passed away a couple of years back. So I'm trying to rediscover life, figure out, you know, where I go from here. Yeah, yeah. sorry to hear that. No, that's all right. Yeah. Yeah, that's, um, that's where I am now. A little bit about myself. Yeah, very interesting trajectory in terms of your career. Mm-hmm. Then the first curiosity question is um, when you said that didn't feel like being an engineer and got into IT. Mm. And later on, you said you got into quality and process excellence. Yeah. Now, when one talks about process excellence and all that, isn't there also this uh, one of the uh, ways in which we call this whole practice as software engineering? So... Did it disappoint you that software also became engineering? <laughs> uh, I said two things, maybe I should say here. I think I've lived my life through feelings a lot. So I trust my feelings often, probably more than I should. So when I said, I know I didn't feel like an engineer after a few years, it was, uh, I think, being a mechanical engineer. I think I had too much fun in college, uh, playing lots of sports um, and, you know, Lots of bridge, lots of hockey. So that kept me away. So it was more about, you know, mechanical engineer, I guess I should say, right? I think engineering, you know, I, it, it's, yes, we keep talking about software as an engineering discipline. I guess it is. <laughs> but somehow when I did my software programming, I never felt that way, right? You know, it was, it was about, uh, you know, how I felt about what I wrote. And I obviously created some more methods of myself. Uh, but, you know, I never used to mind, oh, throw away what I wrote and then rewrote it. You know, I, if I feel I can do something better, I'll always try doing that better. So I, I don't know if I still don't know if it is actually engineering. There's, um, yeah, I guess it is. Yeah, I, mean, I would also, uh, I'm still confused about whether software is engineering or is it computer science or is it craftsmanship or is it an art and all that. But I guess one thing that... Uh, uh, I have also realized is that uh, I mean, no offense to mechanical engineers, I have a lot of respect for them. Mm-hmm. A software development is no way mechanical. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> pun intended. Yeah, um, yeah. But um, yeah, when you got into software yeah. and uh, you said that you, know, you were with uh, normal business enterprises, you know, like yeah. automotive, and you said Asian paints also, right? Yeah. And then also heading an IT function. So yeah. what has been your own learning or transformation from being in, let's say, uh, one of these non-IT organizations mm-hmm. as well as heading an IT function? I don't know whether it was in an IT company or a non-IT company. It was a non-IT company, yeah. Yeah, so what was your experience in terms of relating to the business 
mm. and vice versa the business relating to it or even understanding what it can do for them uh, i guess you know if i uh, i think those days uh, if we remind an engineer for a long time <laughs> you know i mean i used to write programs even when i had about what 10 15 years experience right uh, i didn't have a problem with that so so journey has been gradual that way Uh, I think the first challenge was, you know, I when 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 they made me a lead, lead a team. <laughs> so I realized, oh my goodness, it's just not about you know what I have to do. I've got to somehow make sure that the whole team delivers. <laughs> so I was obviously initially in that illusion that you know I'll get the team to do what I want them to do. <laughs> so went through that. So that was one part of the journey, I guess. I think second part of the journey is, uh, I think seeing the. ability to see the bigger picture of what we are trying to achieve through it and uh, and you realize the role of it as an enabler right and it is supposed to make people's life better right that's how i used to think of it um those days and that really helped me so when i go to business i'm thinking about okay how is it going to make business better and how is it going to help the clients uh, the end clients how is it going to make their life better uh, and that that philosophy i think always helped me through right may it be even we're writing an it strategy or or uh, trying to figure out you know how to optimize our infrastructure whatever so i think this is always a guiding principle that helped me i guess now that you ask me <laughs> how does it make uh, things better for the people business clients so maybe that was the shift in thinking from the early days of uh, you know it for the sake of it to it as an enabler mm that's nice so when you had to go and either you know propose a solution mm-hmm. or while uh, discussing with the client your customers the business users etc were there any instances where um, they had a wow moment when said oh we never looked at it like that yeah coming in as an external person and suggesting how they could improve the way of working are there any such stories okay yeah maybe i can think of one which comes to my mind as we speak this was a simple one this was i was working for the institute of uh, chartered accountants in australia at the time and um, they had this simple requirement right uh, where they want to know some of the chartered accountants who live in a neighborhood right and we used to have this you know query that runs in the back end because we used to say you know it'll takes time to go and scan and then you know search the database and yeah. and come back yeah you know those days uh so we had online things but mainly for transactions right uh, so this kind of a thing was done in the background so it used to take them 24 hours or sometimes even sorry 24 hours mostly right if it's over a weekend it could be 48 hours because we didn't do any of that over the weekend uh so interestingly when i went to talk to the actual user uh, at that time i was i think a development manager in this company i was not the it head quite they said this they said hey you know uh i understood what they were trying to do you know someone would call uh from any member of the public would call and ask for can you uh tell me someone a chartered account who lives in my neighborhood i need these services and these people are on the on the phone and what they would do is okay they will take down their phone number and say okay i'll call you back in two days 
uh, just think about now the person who called <laughs> where they are. I mean, they are just off to somebody else, right? And the association is supposed to help their, uh, help the chartered accountants who are their, you know, clients in some way. So we we figured out, and when I went and asked the customer, they said, "Look, the end user." They said, "Look, Anand, what we would like is I should be able to put that phone on hold for a minute, respond to them after a minute. That's what's the need." Wow. <laughs> they said, "Otherwise, it doesn't make sense, right?" So for hours I, to one minute. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly you know for twenty-four hours to one minute. They said, "Look, if you can't do that, the service is not effective, and we are not serving." The people, right, who are coming up with this query. So we went to the team. I said, "Oh, there's no way we can do it online. And imagine this, imagine that." And then we said, "You know, we're going to do this, no matter what, <laughs> right?" So we did. We did. We there was one insight which helped us. They didn't care whether the data was up to the minute, right? They they were okay if the data was one week old. <laughs> I mean, how many chartered accounts are shifting the neighborhood? You know. <laughs> that right. much right? right so they said look i don't care how old the data is i mean you give me an answer in an instant that's more important so we created a solution where you know over the weekend we created some you know the temporary structures and of data from which we could independently extract that in an instant basically arrange the organized data postcode wise you know something so simple but uh, we could just give an answer and the customers were so thrilled <laughs> and we also felt hey you know we Made a difference to the community because someone could call and get an answer in an instant. So I mean, that's an experience stands out in my mind. Yeah, mm. yeah, that's a great story. In fact, um, two takeaways for me is uh, the first one is the empathy. You know that you were able to understand why they wanted in a minute. Yeah. Rather than saying that okay, why technically it is not possible, or uh, saying that oh, twenty four hours to one minute and all that. Yeah. And the second thing. Um, is uh, you know, this uh, i don't know if you want to call it the just enough technology not over engineer yeah right again yeah engineering comes in but they're not over engineer yeah. yeah great great story anand since you also mentioned startups yeah you know one of the uh, anti patterns that mm-hmm. i've seen mm-hmm. uh, particularly in bangalore mm-hmm. is that uh, many uh, people feel that oh i have an idea for an app and then uh, no, i will do a startup Mm-hmm. So you create a solution, and then start looking for either a problem to solve or customers. So something uh-huh. that was implemented, you probably went through all the planning and all the rigor and everything else, but um, on the day of launch or after launch, mm-hmm. you find that what was actually needed was probably not exactly what you built. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, I this takes me back to somewhere around two thousand and one. when e-commerce was not that um, i mean it, there was a boom right of uh, everyone thought this is going to take over the world at the time it was not that uh, prevalent in terms of the, in the the consumers uh, if anyone had uh, gone through some of the places in mg road we had this we used to have this big hoarding called stylecountry.com launching on this date right it was a fashion portal and uh, we were very passionate about that in our organization and we designed it we locked we got into um you know a tie up with a logistics provider connected with lots of good very good suppliers and we developed the software and <laughs> i mean that software development itself was a you know was a great story uh you know the, the founder actually told us this uh, i was heading 
software development for that company. And the founder actually told us, Anand, I get up in the morning around 5.30. I'll get my newspaper around 6. Uh, I'll have my coffee. I'll open the newspaper where there'll be a half-page ad on this platform that is launching today. And then I'll go into this particular portal and order a shirt. And we will see oh. it. And I was just saying, oh. Yeah, yeah. So we had this, you know, he, he, he was very clear because he knew we were struggling to, you know, finish it on time. And, uh, but he painted a nice picture for us. You know, we said, oh, you know, he's going to be reading the newspaper in about half an hour. Let's come on. Let's come on, guys. Right. And we actually launched it. But I think the market was not ready, right, for that kind of a solution at the time. Mm. Uh, it was engineered, you know, we had thought through it. We had all the logistics. We had some, you know, guys from IAMs working the supply chain. All of that was done. But just, you know, the market was not ready, right? And, you know, mm. we had to shut it down after about, uh, maybe I think we had it kind of running for a year. Mm-hmm. And then we had to shut it down. So there was a bit of, a, you know, disappointment. Mm. It was a dream, right? Mm. <laughs> Didn't quite happen. Yeah, a lot really- of lessons there, but. Yeah. See, I'm very tempted to ask a, maybe a cliched kind of question. Yeah. Uh, you said that you are a feeling person. Yeah. So what were the feelings running through your mind when this happened? After putting in so much effort and the excitement, anticipation, and actually the market. market I, think, um, I think it was, uh, it was one of a uh, bit of a disappointment at the time. You know, because I was head of engineering, but I was also part of the founding team, right? Uh, so, you know, we really wanted to make that happen. And uh, like I said, you know, no software can make you feel good if it is not used, right? Like I said, I've always derived a lot of satisfaction when I see it that software making a difference, right, to someone, someone's life, right? Uh, so that way, it was a bit of a disappointment. Yeah, we felt good about what we achieved, but we were a bit. Uh, but you know, the only consolation was there was a whole lot of other companies going bust, but we still survived. So <laughs> that was the comfort, I guess, for us that you know we still had other services supporting the organization at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's nice. So, how has this kind of an experience used? Uh, I'm just probably jumping ahead a little bit. Yeah. Uh, you said uh, you know, currently you call yourself as a you know, consultant, trainer, and coach. Yeah. So I am. Uh, I would like to focus a little more on the coaching part. Yeah. Now, how has your own experience helped you evolve as a coach? <laughs> okay, it's a good question. I think, you know, see, I've had that one philosophy, I guess, throughout my... Uh, through my early days, as well as even today, that I can get better at things and get to a point where I'll be good at it. Right? This is one place where the better comes before good. <laughs> and um, so this has always helped me. So whenever I didn't do something well, I knew that uh, I can only get better. And there was that determination saying, look, I'll get good at it. So coaching was one of those things. Initially, I did not quite understand what is the meaning of coaching. And uh, when I understood what coaching was, was about, you know, you know, helping someone else unlock their potential. 
I mean, I just connected to it so much, and I said, "Look, this is something I should get better at." Right. So, I mean, even today, I uh, we do many things, and you know, as part of PM Power Consulting, we do training, we do uh, consulting, we do all kinds of things here. But the thing that gives me still the kicks is the one-on-one -on -one coaching, right? When you can sit in front of someone and then you think you can make a difference, and uh, and the firm belief that that you know applying my mantra for them you know just believing in them saying that okay no matter where they are now i know they will get better at it right and that the biggest reward is you know when someone comes back and tells me you know and i made this small change and that has made a huge difference in my life so i mean that's that is amazing you know in terms of uh, that sense of reward uh, the, the feeling of uh, you know elation in me yay you know, I go, made a difference to someone else here. So I think that that is still my passion, you know, coaching one-on-one. -on -one. We, we don't do a lot of it these days, but I still find uh, that to be the most rewarding part of my journey with Pampar. And I'm still, you know, I think I haven't reached where I want to reach there, you know, continue to work on that. Yeah. In the last few years that I've known you, uh-huh, yeah. I've always found you to be very, you know, cheerful and happy. Now, uh, when you are in a coaching situation, mm -hmm. uh, how do you handle, let's say, the um, call it the stress or the anxiety or disappointment that your coachee conveys to you? Yeah, I mean, I've had times when you know some people have cried in a coaching session. I think you know it is. Uh, you can't obviously be cheerful. <laughs> Because when you're trying to relate to them and then when you're empathizing, I think, I think it is, um, I think what I found is I can get carried away. So I need to sort of keep a check on my own feelings when that happens, right? Only for one reason. If I don't, I'm not going to be useful for them, right? Um, so empathy is one thing, but getting the same feeling for myself is not going to help. So I think, um, so I think, you know, it's that awareness saying, hey, you know, how do I feel now here? <laughs> uh, I, I remember that when that lady, when that was a woman, right? When the woman cried, you know, I, a little bit of tears rolled up in my eyes, but I had to sort of quickly recover and then uh, get back into, uh, not so much cheering her up, but... Uh, because when that happens, you know, you, you don't know. The answer is not always, hey, you know what? Hey, cheer up is not the answer. <laughs> that I have learned. Um, but empathizing with them and let them get through that emotional phase. And people do. People do when they let off a little bit like that. And they do sort of, you know, compose themselves and then come back. Then, you know, we can help them focus on, you know, what they can be grateful for, even in that situation. So I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's about um, just the extending the empathy. You know, while you need to be empathetic, you shouldn't get sucked into the situation. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's more of that. Yeah. And um, yeah, that leads me to uh, both an empathy in software development. Mm -hmm. uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, to be a little more specific, it is about as a role, whatever role I'm playing, mm -hmm. whether it is an individual contributor 
or uh, say uh, uh, someone who is a, a lead or a manager mm. uh, what is the importance or role of empathy in creating good software okay i think um, probably the example i gave earlier about where i felt good about that i think that probably is a good example i found that um, when we develop software i think we got to be able to put ourselves in the shoes of the person who will be consuming it right that i think mm-hmm. is the is, is the key right if you are able to do that i think you can create great software um i remember some of the best software that i've created have been when i have interacted multiple times with the actual user of that software it's a bit harder these days you know these days things are in the cloud and you you know the person who's going to use it is going to be probably in some other part of the world right who uses software but um but i think the ability to understand that that person how they're going to use is, is a key and i think i think we still have some way to go in that regard <laughs> even when i use simple tools like uh, even our mobile phones have come a long way or when i use uh, atms or or some of those things there is always that uh, that trick right so for example you know i mean today i use an atm right here it allows me to take the money out before it i take the card out right <laughs> i oh, remember atms okay. which uh, i could take the card out only after the money will come right <laughs> mm-hmm. so i used to always think that earlier thing because one of the things is you know i i forgotten my card at the atm i don't know if you ever done that i've done that once or twice because yeah. <laughs> you get the money and then you are in a rush to go right the card is still there and when you have to take the card out and then the money uh, you get the you're not going to leave without the money for sure <laughs> right <That's> true <laughs> so I, i find you know that's a little bit of you know somebody could think about that when they're designing so- software for atms right mm. anyway never thought about it that way Yeah, yeah it's probably one of those you know mistake proofing they call the pokayoke in manufacturing yeah 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 so do you have any tips for developing empathy i think i've had only one tip which i have followed for myself right it's difficult to say if it works for others i think see people as see people as people um we i think we don't do that you know we tend to we don't see people as people right you know we see them as uh, certain roles uh, you know here is someone who play who's a security you know uh, i used to see this number of people who used to call security in our office security was very amusing you know in the software company that i used to work with people will say security for anything i think we we don't the moment you see people as people what i mean by see people as people is i mean look at people as you know hey here is that individual with certain certain goals and some aspirations and uh, or some problems challenges when you see people as people you see that you don't just see okay here is a role with certain responsibilities so the system should support those responsibilities i think if we can see that little bit more is is always been the key i think you know i think uh, i think the empathy starts there when you see people as people Hmm. Yeah, sounds simple, but I guess uh, yeah, it takes a long time to see that. Because particularly in software teams, most of the time people are referred to as resources. Yeah, and totally unemotional and uh, doesn't treat them as people. 
Yeah. Uh, so that uh, also uh, brings a question on people. Mm-hmm. And uh, since you've been working a lot with uh, agile teams or helping teams become agile, mm. um, how does this play out in say teams that are moving to okay, quote unquote agile practices? Mm-hmm. about seeing each other as you know, people I, i think as a coach for an agile team i think one of the keys is patience i think often as a coach we move into this gear of you know help helping them adopt the agile practices right there's a lot of emphasis on adopting practices so we teach them how to do you know planning you know how to do retrospective how to do this how to do that so there's so much of focus on how to rather than you know who's doing it how do they feel about doing what they do uh, i really think as a coach uh, that that is exactly where we need to sort of step in and many of because many things even the practice adoption is uh, people resist sometimes because of some of the insecurities they have right you know you you know we have i'll give you an example you know we had this tester now agile team they were all told one team that tester came to me one day and then asked me oh my goodness now will they expect me to do software development because i am part of this team talk of you know full stack engineer and uh, this guy said look you know anand i started out as a like typically they do thanks to a gray hair they'll say anand sir <laughs> right and he'll says you know i used to be a developer long ago didn't quite enjoy it didn't find myself having aptitude towards it but i became a tester and now they've they've made these agile teams see now everything the person does within the team has this particular fear so, so that's what i mean by you know you you got to be able to see the people in the team and when i say people you know it's just not about okay instead of calling the people resources if you just call them as people or engineers that's not good enough it is actually seeing the individual in the team right and then see how they feel when they respond when they react to some of the practices what they talk about and and i think that is the key and you know we know you know shiv that you know any change in behavior takes time takes time we have to create some new experiences for them that will make them feel that uh, you know it's okay right i'm going to be fine here i can do well and i can make a difference so i think you know patience is probably the key there mm, very nicely yeah. put and i know that you also have been facilitating some sessions related to mindfulness uh does that have a role to play in empathy or in dealing with people yeah absolutely absolutely i think you know i've uh, i've again you know i've learned that lesson on my own when you know, over a period of time we know all these things about you know empathy or emotional intelligence lot of these things are important but i think what mindfulness does when you practice it consistently over a period of time it helps you develop enough awareness right Uh, enough self awareness uh, to be able to work through these things right see i, I think uh, people it's not enough self awareness is not enough see what mindfulness does you know when it calms the mind down you're able to think about okay if i change now 
what could happen right so you know there's little thought experiments <laughs> right i think it helps people have these mini thought experiments in their head because uh, you know obviously you know they i find these thought experiments are very good i mean i personally try and do that okay if i do this what all could happen or oh, maybe that can happen maybe that can happen okay yeah i think it's going to be okay i mean nothing disastrous is going to happen i still will have a job and you know uh, i still will be valued and it's okay you know i can always get better at things right so so i think uh, i definitely think you know mindfulness has a huge role to play but i also have a view about mindfulness in the sense it's not about just doing for one minute here or half a minute there it's not about just two minutes there that could be a starting point i think you know people need to go a little bit deeper in it and uh, follow mindfulness with their own journaling with their own introspection uh, with their own thought experiments i think it really can become powerful and often you know we have actually been doing some mindfulness coaching as well uh, in one of with one of our customers i've seen it can really be powerful uh, to enable change in people and help them see their insecurities i think it's okay right and i think the other thing is it can also help them develop a sense of uh, gratitude right i've always found uh, gratitude and the sense of gratefulness if you like is like a safety net right you know however whatever fear you have you have the safety net you know that there are so many good things and then you're not going to go below that right you can fall back on that uh or a safety net or a floor to stand on if you say you know <laughs> how whatever you fall you know you're not going to go below there is a floor here that is your that gives you that sense of uh, gratitude which is important so in in, in to, just to quickly say i think mindfulness is fantastic uh, but people need to practice it for a while form that habit and do a little bit more than just a one or two minutes of uh, mindfulness mm, good and would it be correct if i uh, paraphrased what you called as the safety net yeah as the key trust fabric in a team that is i know that somebody will be there to support me we are doing this as a team yeah that's actually interesting you've extended what i was talking about it in a sense of uh, as an individual how i feel and i think what you say makes an absolute sense uh, that is why you know we say psychological safety is so crucial when you're going through transformation whether as a team or as an organization or as an individual um so i think it does the coach and the leadership responsibility to create that safety net yeah that's a nice um, in extension of you know what i was saying shit thanks um you mentioned that you used to play sport yeah hockey and bridge yeah right um how much of bridge particularly mm-hmm. you think is uh, applicable for software <laughs> i hadn't really thought about that yeah, the um, reason i asked is i had some thoughts i just wanted to validate it oh, okay with, okay uh, all right player. yeah 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 i think uh, it's see the one thing that is common is you got to love both <laughs> there are, you know there are both there are people who get a uh, little bit uh, scared away by uh, bridge when they start off they think oh, it is another card game and they slowly realize oh it's not as simple as what they thought and they had to learn a few ground rules right uh like we say 
uh, it is simple to learn but difficult to master <laughs> Uh, so I think bridge and software are, in a sense, you know, in the same same bucket. Right? Simple to learn but difficult to master. Uh, that is probably one thing I see common. I think the other thing is, uh, however well prepared you are or how well experienced you are, uh, there'll be that deal. There'll be that situation will throw you off balance, right? Mm-hmm. And and this is when I often tell people that. you got to trust your intuition <laughs> you got to trust your gut sometimes and then go with it right and see what happens so and then just hope that you have a very understanding partner and when it comes off you know see that's the thing right it's what happens with experience and practice i think in both cases right you learn over a period of time you know when to use intuition and when to i mean there is a simple technical solution here just go ahead and do that you know you don't need a you don't need intuition here Um, so so i think that part plays a role and i'm just thinking aloud as you are because you asked me this question the other thing is you know uh, bridge is a game of uh, you know partners right you were a team right you go to work as a team and sometimes the bets you make when you play bridge depend on you know what you sense in the opposition right uh, sometimes it doesn't the where you are in the competition right are you doing well are you doing badly so yeah. you take risks accordingly you know depending on how you are doing um so so yeah i think some of those things are you know common in bridge and um, i think another thing that is common is i've always believed in bridge uh you should think of nurturing your partnership right with your you know your uh, partner i guess right i see too many bridge partners fighting right cursing each other right you know yeah to the ext- i mean it's just ridiculous if you played enough bridge you see in competitions or even in clubs they really you know they thrash each other and th- i think that's no way like it's just like any other team in a, in software you, you got to really nurture teamwork it will not happen by itself and it is everyone's responsibility to nurture that team right or the team spirit so maybe there are some parallels thanks for probing you said you had some thoughts on that yeah essentially uh, i'm even though for the last few years we've been playing it's more like uh, you know the team that was playing the three of them wanted a fourth person and i was kind of roped in mm-hmm. and uh, very reluctantly i started doing it uh-huh um so mine is also kind of gut feel based and all that but what i found was that um, like you said you know the partnership mm. and uh, one of the mistakes that i continue to make which mm. um, now the others have understood mm. is that uh, when i bid i only base it on my hand ha huh. okay uh, not assume that your partner is there to support me yeah or the other team has given some clues and so this is probably a, a strategy for attack mm. okay so as a team when we are working that that has helped me in uh, appreciating that uh, i can't do it alone myself always i don't have to do it alone myself always yeah that i yeah. can fall back on uh, colleagues and friends and others that mm. uh, we do that so i use that example yeah. uh, when you tell teams that now you are making a commitment for an iteration it's a team commitment yeah and then how you can take that now, the other is uh, that there has to be some seriousness about the commitment because by making more tricks you don't get additional rewards always yeah so um, 
just being very conservative doesn't help yeah at the same time not being very rash yeah yeah um yeah so those are you know, some things even though the uh, number of cards is finite mm-hmm. the combinations and what can happen how the game can flow yeah means that you need to be present mm-hmm. while playing yeah uh, then not uh, you know watch your phone and do something else and say oh when i come to work, let me drop this yeah yeah <laughs> that you need to you know, keep track of where you are improves the concentration yeah absolutely so, yeah those were uh, some of my learnings yeah yeah very true ship yeah now moving on um this is a question um, which probably needs a little bit of translation for those who don't understand uh, tamil mm-hmm. uh, you said you come from virudhunagar yeah and virudhu is uh, like a recognition honor award reward whatever mm-hmm. right um so is that the streak in you that when you said that you, know, you always want to do better when mm-hmm. you know that you haven't done that uh, as well as uh, you know wanting to be an entrepreneur or trying your hand at doing that mm-hmm. uh, so this is on the lighter side it need not have to do with virudhunagar yeah <laughs> but then i just couldn't resist asking that you know, is that something that uh, is in your gene <laughs> yeah i guess you know i come from uh, that town is you know mainly people who have been there as merchants essentially business community right so maybe there's a little bit of that is in my blood <laughs> uh but but i said about you know getting better at things see this is uh see i think you know i've always believed this that you know i'm not this you know super talented guy i used to say the only thing i ever had talent for in life was actually hockey <laughs> that somehow seemed to come naturally to me you know from the, when i was about 10 years old i started learning and uh, i don't know it just came naturally but everything else in my life has been you know uh, has been about getting better at it right may it be learning to speak english for example something as simple as that um, when i came from my town i didn't know so learning that or maybe learning to program write software programs or uh, you know learning to as a consultant you know learning to do coaching or learning to interact with senior leadership uh learning to work with founders of companies and being an entrepreneur i mean all of that i just got this mantra that has worked for me all my life that uh, that wherever i am wherever i stand i can get better at it right and i just want to get good at it right i just choose those areas where i just want to get good at and then follow that with action <laughs> right my wife radhika was uh, was a f- always a phenomenal inspiration when it comes to taking action she always reminded me you know all this mantra is good but if you don't take action nothing happens <laughs> right? hmm um, yeah yeah absolutely you know and so just that combination that you know you decide to get good at something and just by getting better at it you know one day at a time but all that happens you know when you take action so so the thing is it doesn't bother me so much when i'm not when i don't when i fail or when i feel that oh, i'm not as good as i want to be i just always tell myself oh i can get better at it so yeah that's very nice i'm sure that uh, many of your coaches have taken that from you hope so yeah so that's about all i think we had time for today thank you chef uh, if you have 
any other you know, thoughts that you want to leave our listeners with uh, i don't know maybe just one thought i'll just closing i maybe something else that has helped me all my career and life uh, which is about you know how i feel about myself so i found you know success is always about how i feel about myself eventually and if i can change how i feel about myself i can have you know instant success <laughs> so this is like you know instant noodles <laughs> this philosophy helps yeah mm-hmm. thank you shiv yeah thanks chat. a lot anand it's been you know wonderful i'm uh, glad that we finally got to talk even though it got delayed i think uh, i'm energized there are a lot of triggers that i've taken so definitely when there are questions i'll pass them on to you thank you shiv and thanks for the opportunity to share If you like the show and would like to share your experiences with the community or know someone else who might want to do that please get in touch with us at podcast at pm-powerconsulting.com there is podcast at pm-powerconsulting.com please rate the show on podchaser stitcher iTunes or any other podcast client that you find us on please also share our episodes with your friends and others in your network if you or anyone you know would like to be featured on our show do write to us at this email address podcasts@pm-powerconsulting.com